we're lucky that we do what we love, and、uh, we love what we do. You do have a problem you want to solve, and you try to find the best engineering solution. What is the chance that you will have a good idea when you are taking a shower? Hi, everyone. Welcome to Ask a Scientist, a science journal for kids podcast, where we explore what it's like to be a scientific researcher. I'm Tanya Dimitrova, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Miranda Wilson. Hey there. Our guest today is Dr. Junjie Yao. He teaches biomedical engineering at Duke University. He did his bachelor's and master's degrees at Tsinghua University in Beijing, China, and his PhD at Washington University in St. Louis, the United States. Junjie's work focuses on a technology called photoacoustic tomography. In how it can be used to diagnose or even treat brain diseases like cancer, he also works with some tiny and unusual animals from South America called glass frogs. They're called this way not because they shatter when they hit the floor, but because they are transparent. Junjie and his colleagues recently discovered that those frogs make themselves transparent while they sleep. By hiding their red blood cells inside their liver, this research was published in the journal Science, and here at Science Journal for Kids, we recently adapted it for school students. Today, we will talk with Junjie about his work, but we will also get to know at least a little bit the person behind the professional scientist. Hello, Junjie, and welcome to the podcast. Hi there, hi everybody. Thanks for having me. Your current research is at the cutting edge of biomedical science, but we're going to start a lot earlier than that, from a time when you were a young student yourself. We're really interested. What kind of school did you go to, and what kind of subjects were you interested in, in classes that you took when you were young? So I was、uh, I was from China.、Uh, it's a tiny small town. Funny thing is that that town was so small it doesn't even have its own name. So it's called Ten Miles. It's because it is actually ten miles from another bigger town. So <laughs> that's where I was from. And of course, I worked hard. I went to high school and I went to Tsinghua University in Beijing. That that's probably the best.、Um, I should say,、uh, science and technology university in China. And my major was biomedical engineering. And I was doing biomedical engineering in college, in my graduate school, and now I'm teaching biomedical engineering at Duke University. So you can tell I'm biomedical engineer from the beginning. Would you say that the academic experience in in a Chinese university is very different from, say, the United States? When I came here in、uh, to the States, I do say that there is a cultural difference. Here, people were the you know the teaching, the education、uh, is more focused on. Uh, inspirational discussion and、uh, encourages students to be more creative, independent, and I think that makes a lot of difference、uh, down the road for students to develop their own interest. And the students can say no to their professor, right?、Uh, they do that all the time. <laughs> I can tell you. <laughs> and uh, uh, I teach at Duke. I teach both undergraduate students and graduate students. And I can tell you, my first couple years of teaching was. 
terrible because I was, you know, challenged so many times, so often in class, and uh, sometimes I was not so prepared and I feel so embarrassed. Um, but you know, uh, as I get better and I'm, um, I can take the questions better, and I do appreciate the students, their encouragement, their uh, challenge, and their engagement in the class. I even gave them, you know, bonus credits if they challenge. When you first came to the States for your PhD, how old were you? I, let me do a quick math. I was 23. What was this transition like? Did you have any significant challenges? The shock I had when I first came here was probably from the language. So I, I remember that I, I came off the plane at Chicago, I transferred there, and I couldn't even make a phone call because I couldn't make a meaningful conversation with people working there at the airport. And I regretted right away, you know, why should I come here? Should I just buy another ticket and fly back? But that was uh, uh, quickly overcome uh, after I I made friends with uh, local, um, you know, students, and I got help from my professors. And of course, you know, I work in a fantastic lab at Washington University, and people there are really supportive, and you know, quickly overcome that uh, language barrier. Let's talk a little bit about your field, biomedical engineering. It sounds simultaneously futuristic, sci-fi, and very complex. Uh, What's good about it? What do you like about it? What draws you to it specifically? That's a good question. I think, you know, I teach students here at Duke, and I think a common question people ask is, what is biomedical engineer? Yeah, let's start there. (laughs) It's a combination of all the exciting stuff. And basically, we're using engineering tools to study human biology. And we are always interested to know how professional scientists like you manage to balance these different aspects of your work and professional life, right? On the one hand, you've got teaching, writing, doing the actual research, mentoring students. Then on the other, I hope that you actually have time with your family as well, and you have to take care of your health and you have to sleep. Is it even possible to find the right balance? And, and if so, how? Well, Tanya, that's a great question. And uh, I think the answer to that question is probably very case-by-case case dependent and also depends on your career status, right? And um, so I can only speak from my own experience. The life-work balance is a tricky thing uh, for a scientist. I always tell my students or the potential students or the potential scientists in the future is um, it's a kind of uh, a weird job. It's weird because you do this because you love it. Okay, you, We're lucky that we do what we love and uh, we love what we do. So that's really lucky for us as scientists. On the other hand, it's not like other jobs. You have a clear definition of when you start working and when you come off work and you go home. So uh, it's almost like a 24-7 type of job. And uh, you, you always have something in your mind. You always have something you are thinking of, uh, you know, a question you are interested with or you're puzzled about in the background. This is a job that needs you 
to be focused and to be concentrated uh, almost constantly. But in the process, you enjoy the discovery, you enjoy the fun of great ideas, and that makes a difference. Do you also sometimes discuss any research questions or hypotheses with your own son? I know you have a young son. Yes, and his name is James. You know, I'm, I'm busy at my work, but whenever I go home, I try to uh, enjoy the family life. So we talk about my work, and to be honest, not all my work is so easy to understand. <laughs> but I try to explain my work to him, and I know he tries his best to understand. So there are always overlapping parts. Like we can both understand and enjoy. So conversation can always go on. So let's talk a little bit more about glass frogs. Your research, which we adapted for kids, was about glass frogs and the fact that they are transparent. Um, you and your colleagues discovered that glass frogs became more transparent when they sleep and that this is primarily due to the storage of their red blood cells inside their livers. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came across these frogs in the first place? Okay. Um... You know, my lab is focused on developing imaging technology and specifically photoacoustic imaging. It's a technology that uses light to listen to the biomolecules. So it's a, it's a pretty cool process. We convert light into ultrasound. That's why we can listen to the red blood cells when they are in the blood vessels. So we have this technology for years and we're developing this technologies to make a better system, better. And three years ago, I never heard of glass frog. I don't even know there was a glass frog in South America. And I give the credit to my post, uh, Carlos, and he was a glass frog expert. And he, he has tremendous experience with uh, glass frogs, and uh, he has a lot of field experience. So he, he caught glass frogs in the jungles. And so uh, we got a chance to talk, and he has a present need for a technology that can help him study this tiny magic animal. Because at that time, he knew that the glass frog could turn transparent when they were sleeping. But he just didn't know how they do that. So uh, we talked about this very magic animal, and after I talked to him and uh, I realized that we have the right technology just uh, two doors away in the hallway. It's sitting in my lab. So um, that's the moment that I realized that we, we could work together and we can help him answer that question. At the same time, we can develop or optimize over imaging technologies to help answer that very specific and important question. And that's why I invited him to join my lab, and we are um, colleagues since then. So you never know when and where you will have a good idea or good discovery. You just work on your own research 24-7, and you're prepared, you're ready to take any new clue or new opportunity. And this is the example that when an opportunity came up, and we grabbed it, and we made a good discovery. Success is where preparation meets good luck. 
So we received some questions from students who read your article. Mm -hmm. We're going to start with the first one here. I love questions. Hi, I'm Ariant, and I'm a seventh grader from California. So how are glass frogs' red blood cells able to perform their basic functions, like nutrient and gas transport in the frog, if they are stored away during sleep? That's a great question, and that is also part of the reason why this frog is so magic. They have the red blood cells almost the same as us. So the red blood cells in our body carries oxygen and also do a gas exchange with the cells and also uh, deliver other nutrients that's needed for the metabolism. So in gas frogs, red blood cells do the exact same thing. So they are required to maintain the basic functions of the tissues. In that sense, it's crazy that they will store 90% of red blood cells in their liver when they're sleeping. So that means those red blood cells are useless. They're not functioning, although they are still there, but they are not doing their job. And so that means the frogs are basically in the near death mode. So they basically do not consume oxygen, they do not consume nutrients, and they are in the minimal metabolism status. So they do not consume as much oxygen or they consume very little oxygen when they are sleeping. And they can do this for 10 hours a day. And why they can keep their red blood cells in the liver when they are sleeping, because they don't use them. I notice you use the word magical awfully much for hardcore scientist and engineer. What's up with that? Yeah, that's because I'm I'm a hardcore fan of Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, because I read Harry Potter like multiple times. I know uh, for seven books, it's more than one million words, and I read that multiple times. And, you know, the more I work on science, and especially since I work, uh, worked with God's frogs, I think magic is the best way I can describe this small creature. And not because I, I know they have invisibility cloak, uh, just like Harry Potter does, but also because it's the way that nature designs the system. We have another question from a student. Hi, my name is Paulina, and I'm a volunteer at Science Journal for Kids and Teens. And today I have a few questions for you. Are there any differences between transparency of glass frogs between males and females and different life stages, tadpoles and adults? That's a great question. Um, yes, the answer is yes. There is a difference between female and a male uh, for the obvious reason that uh, females carry eggs um, you know, sometimes. So that's another reason uh, why they want to be more transparent because they want to be safe. And that's the difference between male and female. And females do have other tricks to play to be better uh, protected. And um, between different uh, development of stages, you know, frogs, they, they come from tadpoles. So um, that's where they can, um, they do have very different uh, body shape. So there are different ways for them to become more transparent. But I would say as tadpoles, they are not so transparent because they haven't developed the way or the same uh, capability 
to hire rebel cells yet. So um, they are more transparent with their adults. We have another question from Polina. Are there any other amphibians or animals with similar transparent skin adaptations? So gas frog is probably the only one we know of right now, um, but I'm sure there are others uh, we haven't discovered yet. And why this is so interesting for us is because gas frogs, they are similar to us and they are land animals. You will find a lot more transparent creatures or transparent, when I say creatures, sounds like Harry Potter, but when I mean uh, transparent animals in the ocean, because the water is transparent, so it's much easier for them to develop transparency. On the other hand, land animals are rarely transparent because you know the environment is very different and also we need rabbit cells to carry the oxygen to supply the nutrients. You write that your findings about glass frogs could contribute to the development of treatments for human medical conditions. Can you tell us more about some of those opportunities? Yes. Uh, you know, the ultimate goal for us to study glass frogs is because they are inspirational and they can help us to understand the biology and they can help us potentially one day to treat disease. One disease I'd mentioned is stroke. Basically, that's where you know, in most cases, the blood vessels are clotted because of the, you know, the red blood cells conjugate together. And if you think about that as a daily thing for God's frog, they do have red blood cells coming together and um, for 10 hours a day, and they do not develop clotting at all. And they actually share almost the same red blood cells as we do. So how do they do that trick? And we believe gas frogs do have uh, some chemicals in their bloodstream that can help them from clotting the uh, red blood cells. So you mean if, if they can synthesize this type of chemical, the one that works on humans, it could be a medication to prevent strokes or to treat strokes with the first sign of a stroke? Exactly, exactly. So that's the hope and that's what we're working on. So we always like to end with a fun pie-in-the-sky question. So thinking about all of your interests in biomedical engineering, if you had a million dollars, or maybe for you it would need to be a little bit higher, but let's say you had unlimited funds, what is one burning research question that you would like to try and answer? Okay. Um, first of all, I appreciate your offer. Uh, do you want to have... <laughs> unlimited money to <laughs> research. You got it. I ask the same questions uh, often time, not just to myself, but also to my students, right? I say, hey, you know, James, if you have unlimited money and resources, what we want to do? So for myself, the answer is uh, I want to study brain. So I want to study brain in the sense that brain is such a unique organ that it consumes about 20% of the oxygen and nutrients of the whole body. Imagine how, relatively speaking, how small the brain is. And it's very metabolically active, and it is so complex. So if I have unlimited money, I would work on technologies that can help us to unlock more secrets about the brain. And the fundamental goal is to help us to gain knowledge to um, to develop new 
even better tools to answer the questions other people may have or the other research topics may come up with. Well, if I find unlimited funds somewhere, I'll, I'll pass them your way. Please send me a check. Junjie, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for your time today. It was so much fun chatting about glass frogs, magical creatures, Harry Potter. And by the way, your life as a biomedical engineer. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Did you know that you can directly read one of Junjie's scientific papers stripped from its complex scientific jargon and made understandable to readers as young as fourth grade in school? The link is in the show notes. You can also Google its title, How Do Glass Frogs Become Transparent? Or directly go to sciencejournalforkids.org and search for frogs. Actually, as a bonus today, we're including some deleted scenes. Enjoy. Most importantly, what is the problem we have? So uh, sometimes it's a very fundamental knowledge problem, like uh, of, you know, something we don't know, we need to ask a colleague, or we need to get help from Google or ChatGPT, or we can... What? You use ChatGPT in your work? all the time, so I can talk about that more. Okay, now please tell us about ChatGPT. We yeah. want to hear how you use that in your lab. So, uh, you know, when ChatGPT came up, uh, it was a shock, I should say, now to, um, to people who are not really working on the uh, AI field, uh, how, how crazy it is. I mean, you can just uh, take a your question, your problem, and come up with a, a, I should say, a pretty good solution. So the first uh, uh, response were, yeah, were the, um, I should say, concern from the professors is how students are going to use ChatGPT to do their homework and to do their essays. But eventually, I think everybody make peace with that. You know, we students find a way to use ChatGPT in the correct way and professors find a good way to use ChatGPT to do the research. So what we do in the lab is, you know, ChatGPT is pretty good at summarizing uh, literature. So you, in many cases, uh, they do better job than yourself. So you can use that to, to basically um, summarize all the previous research you are interested with, and you can use ChatGPT to guide you into the you know the right direction or right reference to do a more in-depth reading. And on top of that, ChatGPT is pretty good at writing. So we actually use ChatGPT to, to check our writing, especially for students who are not uh, native speakers. And that helps us to get on the, you know, a, a good starting point for writing manuscripts. And also, we write poem about our research using ChatGPT, and uh, sometimes we do write, we do write, we get pretty good, I should say, writing from ChatGPT about ourselves, about the research we're doing, and uh, it's amazing. I, I highly suggest or recommend everybody. Try can, can we get a copy of that? Yeah. <laughs> please, please, <laughs> we want to hear it. Of course. Yeah, I can share like um, two thousands of that. 
A Poem About Glass Frogs by ChatGPT. In the realm of emerald hue, a creature dwells unique and true. A glass frog, a captivating sight, with translucent skin, a sheer delight. Its belly, a window to its core, revealing organs, nothing more. Through its skin, the heart beats strong, a mesmerizing rhythm, a melodious song. In rainforests of central and south, this tiny being, a nature's mouth, with skin so clear, it does blend, evading birds, a crafty trend. Camouflaged amidst the leaves, a master of hiding, one believes. Its legs and belly, transparent grace, ensuring safety in its dwelling place. O glass frog, a mystical creature, guardian of the forest's hidden feature. In arboreal realms you dwell, a secret world only you can tell. A quarter's size, yet full of might, you vocalize your presence at night. But beware, for trespassers beware, underneath the clear skin a warning glare. So let us admire this jewel of the wild, the glass frog, nature's splendid child, a testament to beauty and adaptation, a wonder deserving of our fascination. Read by Karen Watts. That's all for today. This podcast was produced with help from our research assistants, Natalia Torres-Behar, and students, Adian Bassar and Polina Simonenko. Sound engineer, Maria Mikhailova, and hosts, Miranda Wilson and me, Tanya Dimitrova. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to this podcast to receive notifications about the next episode of Science Journal for Kids, Ask a Scientist. Till then, 